Live now. Hello. <laughs> I think it's funny. Yeah. Do you want to sit in the chair? Yeah. Okay. It's Tumpy. You're supposed to talk about G.I. Joe's for the G.I. Joe show. Oh, so? Yeah. Oh, okay. Na, na, na. G.I. Joe's. <laughs> Back to Anything Joe's, a collaborative journey through the world of G.I. Joe. My name is Greg Engel. And I'm Jaron Decker. And we'll be your host today. Today we're back on the Marvel's Real American Hero run with G.I. Joe number 15. It is uh, some exciting developments as we near the conclusion of this story arc. And it's really primarily focused on the fate of uh, Quinn, Dr. Venom, and Snake Eyes as they're trying to escape from a bunker underwater. We saw at the end of the last issue that... Venom double-crossed Quinn, leaving him behind in the bunker as him and Snake Eyes emerged from the water, and they were surrounded by some mercenaries from a previous story. They're cobras that had infiltrated to, as part of a mission, but they were pretending to look like other soldiers for uh, so they didn't bl- kind of blow the their cover away. So let's let's take a look at this cover, and uh, we'll get right into it. Hello, boys and girls. This is your Peter Pan storyteller. When you hear this signal, who wants a body massage? Turn the page. All right, here we go. G.I. Joe. Cover to issue number 15 is got, uh, we're looking at the interior of a plane, which has Quinn piloting it. He is looking backwards at Dr. Venom, who has got his foot up in the air, is making a motion like he's stomping on the hand of Snake Eyes, who only has four fingers on the grip of this, like, I guess like a bomb. I don't know what you call it, like a disposal bay for bombs. But it's been opened up, and he's hanging out with just one hand as Dr. Venom tries to kick him loose. It's a pretty exciting cover. I mean, like, there's, again, another great snapshot of action as it's happening. You can see just how high up they are from these cargo bay doors the snake eyes is kind of gripping up the hand that isn't is kind of loose it's got like some wavy lines behind it to show he's struggling to hang on i like this cover a lot my only real complaint is that i think dr venom's face is drawn just a little off on here but in terms of like what's happening i think it's great it would have been easy to make a picture i think take this image just have their plane from the outside but seeing what's actually going on inside really conveys like a moment a true moment of chaos in the story and that is fairly accurate to what we're going to see uh, i think it's really cool is it just mirrored as the gi joe logo that gradient does that give you like gi joe extreme vibes <laughs> yeah i could see that i uh <laughs> i like that the color changes but yeah it's, it does have a bit of an extreme color vibe to it i think it works really good with the the more toned down cover you know there's not a bunch of bright colors like we're used to seeing on some of these covers at least in the earlier issues so it's kind of good to have that pop of color i really like quinn i really want quinn action figures i want a classified quinn really bad so i'm happy to see him on the cover i agree dr venom has a lot of pink on his hands and face, and so does Quinn. I don't know if your yours looks like that. It almost looks like he has a rash. 
Oh yeah, could just be the scan. I don't have my physical copy out. It does look a lot different. It also looks like if I can switch between the two, it seems like the digital finish is further back. You can actually see a little more. That could also be the scan. Maybe it's cutting some of it yeah. off, but yeah, you're right. There's it, there is definitely a difference between the two. It's crazy how much the the digital renders have cha- like really changed this book. It doesn't. It honestly doesn't look like the same book uh, <laughs> from page to page. Sometimes, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I mean, like I think they benefit from being cleaned up. I just think there's some uh, interesting decision making in the process. All right, so yeah. let's open this bad boy up and find out the fate of our intrepid heroes and villains. GI Joe issue number fifteen, Red Eye to Miami. Issue number 15 opens basically just a step behind where we left off. When I, when we recorded issue 14, Jaren, I said there was something we would basically have to talk about right away, and this is it. When we left at the end of issue 14, Dr. Venom, Snake Eyes were basically like, Quinn is dead. I caved his head in with a wrench myself. He's, if he hasn't come up by now, he's not going to. The mercenaries are like, well, all right, well, let's go. And there's an actual panel of them marching through the jungle leaving. And yet somehow here, mysteriously, we've gone back in time just a few minutes to where they're back in the water for, a, I mean, it is essentially a rewrite of the last issue. Larry has, has erased that continuity and replaced it with this one, which I think is very unusual and did is not something that I guess when you read these monthly, it's not the kind of thing that sticks in your brain. But when you're rereading these regularly and they're you're literally connecting the pieces, you're like, wait a minute, this isn't where we left off. Uh, and you'll see a little bit more of how much of a rewrite this is in the in the coming pages. Okay, interesting. Doctor Venom's got his hands together like he's pleading for his life. Meanwhile, Snake Eyes has just got his hands up like, yeah, no big deal. I'll make my move later. We've got five guys that are. They've all got their guns drawn on them. They've all have been just seen the worst of it because the GI Joe team basically beat the crap out of them, and they're pretty bitter about it. Snake Eyes and Doctor Venom escape from the sunken bunker in Sierra Gordo, only to be captured by the Cobra Hit Squad that had been masquerading as renegade government troops. The first mercenary speaks. The Baroness told Cobra Commander that she had killed the two of you. I guess it's up to me to show her up and finish off the job good and proper. No, please, I'll do anything. I'll give you money. I have millions hidden in Zurich. Just don't shoot me. Let's do the world a favor and finish off this creep before he contaminates the gene pool. Close up of the mercenaries as they're discussing the fate amongst themselves. Wait, Cobra Commander's going to want to see their bodies. We shoot them here, we got to carry them. Let's make them walk to the airfield and shoot them there. What we going to do when we get to the airfield? Ain't none of us can fly a plane. No how. Ah. But I can. I am a fully qualified fixed-wing pilot with single and multi-engine certifications. Get me a plane and I can fly us all out of this wretched jungle and... And where, Dr. Venom? To a destination of your choice where all sorts of unpleasantness can happen to the likes of us? No thanks. We've seen what happened to your friends. Where's your mercenary pal, Quinn? Feeding fishies on the river bottom with a knife in his fat Eskimo back? Quinn was a troublemaker. He actually had scruples. Besides, it was an accident. He hit his head on the doorframe. I tried to save him, but it was too late. Eskimos can't swim anyway. They never learn how. If you fall into the water in the Arctic Circle, you die. So there's no reason to mistrust me. I can fly the plane wherever you want, and I am an excellent pilot. 
slowly over these panels as Dr. Venom is talking, we see a head arising from the water behind them. It's clearly Quinn from hair to chin. As his <laughs> mouth emerges from the water, he interrupts Dr. Venom. You had better be a good pilot, Venom. Quinn comes out of the water and fires his machine gun at him immediately. He is pissed. <laughs> Venom yells, Quinn, as Snake Eyes dives and to save him, which is actually uh, unexpected, I would think. Because this old Eskimo, he like a smooth ride when he flies. And Quinn barrels out a burst of that gun. There's Snake Eyes. It seems like Snake Eyes is trying to save him, but in the very next panel, it's clear that Snake Eyes has his hands wrapped around Venom's neck. He's got him held underwater, and he's strangling him. Let him up, Snake Eyes. It's over. I said let him up. Like him or not, he's the only one who could fly us out of this mess. Dr. Venom comes up for air as Snake Eyes still has his hand like wrapped around his hair, basically. So I guess it's not shown directly here, but basically, well, yeah, I guess it is. Quinn basically mowed down every one of those guys. You can see one, two, three, four, five dead bodies. <laughs> so he just was like, I'm a pro. Bye. That night at the airfield, we see Quinn, Snake Eyes, and Venom in the bushes. They're eyeballing a small landing strip that has a bunch of spotlights on it and a bunch of guards. It looks really similar to the air, the abandoned airfield that the Joes were camping out at. Uh, I'm talking about Stalker and Breaker when Stalker got sick. They're like, all the windows are shot out of the tower. It's, it's pretty run down. It's obviously seen a lot of conflict over the years and is uh, potentially getting ready to have another. Guards and searchlights. Something must have happened here. Editor's note says G.I. Joe 13, which of course is... I guess is I guess this is that spot. I don't remember the landing, the actual like takeoff area BMS finished. It, it looked a lot more decrepit than this, but I assume yeah. this is. Oh no, I'm sorry. This is the this is the landing pad that they sieged in the taxi, where it was all the Joes piling up together, and like Scarlet and them airdropped in and they took it, so they could take off from the C-130. That's this airfield. I'm thinking of a different place. My um. bad. Okay, so. We see that the obviously the guards have upped their uh, security after having been ransacked by the Joes. They've got guys and guns in the tower. They've got guys marching around that are armed. Two machine guns in the tower and an assault rifle at the base of the tower. Not good. And another guard at the plane we want. The guards are out talking amongst themselves as the guys are uh, checking them out. Pablo, you want some of the sandwich? No, but I think I'll join you for a while. The bugs are eating me alive in this light. They're whispering amongst themselves as they are behind these planes on the airstrip. We want the big plane. It's a WW2 British Avro Lancaster bomber. The Spitfires next to it don't have the capacity or the range we require. Shh, the guards are getting together. Give me some matches. I'm going around the back of the plane and sneak the smoke. You took the smoker. I'll handle fat, so. Dang, Quinn, that's a little harsh. That would be fat shaming, bro couple of completely silent panels where we see Snake Eyes and Quinn getting into position. Snake Eyes sneaks up. I actually really like this panel where Snake Eyes is hiding behind a, a tire of the airplane and you can just see his goggles <laughs> are colored to recognize who it is. It's, it like really highlights the like stealthiness of it. I think it looks really good. That would be a cool frame to have like blown up as like a poster or have a, as a piece of artwork. Yeah, it just looks good. It's a, I mean, it's a really striking panel. 
don't we don't see him get taken out. We just see a second panel where Snake Eyes is walking away from his unconscious body. A third panel where Quinn is uh, sneaking up behind the big boned fellow Quinn. He harsh dude. He takes the his gun and is holding it horizontal, and I, I'm assuming he wraps it around his neck and chokes him out, or maybe breaks his neck. I don't know. Then he waits for Doctor Venom to join him as they're climbing inside the plane, inside the belly of the plane. That's the entrance to the dorsal gun turret, Snake Eyes. Make yourself useful and cover the tower while I turn over the engines. You sure you can start this thing, Venom? Master fuel cock set to start. Fuel pumps on. Advanced retard ignition lever on. Inertia starters engaged. Yes, I can start her. Just as I'm sure our friend in the turret can operate those twin 303 Brownings. I'll take the engineer seat. I'm only single-engine qualified, but I know enough to tell when the oil pressure's low or the manifold's too hot. You've flown small planes. Perhaps you can spell me at the controls once we're up. Not if I have to turn my back on you. Quinn has picked up a flight manual, so he's, like, studying up so he can figure out what he's doing. Uh, One big, long, horizontal panel with four small, vertical panels inserted into it that show the team talking as the plane is starting to rev up. And I got another really great uh, layout for this page. Starboard, outbound, and inbound engines running smoothly. Keep an eye on the tower, Snake Eyes. They know something's wrong now. Port outboard engines running. Curses! Port inboard engine isn't turning over! The guards are, in fact, aware of it, and they open up with their machine gun immediately. Stop those skyjackers, Julio. I'll call headquarters. Quinn, look in the flight, man. Can we take off with three engines? Impossible. We need all four Rolls-Royce Merlins revving up to 2,500 RPMs before we clear an inch off the tarmac. I've got a plan, but I have to let the other three engines warm up, so we might as well go back for a moment and take care of unfinished business. You see a long vertical panel where they have they are taxiing down, and then they bust a UE right there and spin right back around at them. Don't back. There are two machine guns in that tower. Yes. But there are 12 machine guns in the wings of those park spitfires. You may fire when ready, Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes lets out a burst from those guns, starts lighting up the spitfires. Next page, big top panel, kaboom! As the planes explode, smoke and fire billowing out everywhere. No sense in getting this heap airborne, Quinn. If we leave them, the means to shoot us out of the sky. The tower is still, machine guns are still good. They're lighting up at the plane while Snake Eyes is returning fire at them to keep their heads buttoned down, which is exactly what it does. They're beneath the counter taking cover. One of the guards has pulled the, uh, like the ham radio or whatever they call a short, short wave transmission radio. Headquarters, set up a truck blockade at the end of the runway. Those crazy gringos can't possibly take off. The inertial starter motor is burnt out on the port inboard engine. We can't lift off, Venom. This is a short runway. We need all four engines. I feathered the prop on the dead engine. We'll build up speed on the ground with the other three engines and hope that we can generate enough of an airstream. Long vertical panel on the left-hand side of this page as we see the plane is back on track and is skyrocketing down the way that they go as they're trying to get all the engines to turn over. To kick over the dead engine when I unfeathered the prop and manually cut the fuel injection system. You mean to tell me that you're going to push start this thing? How can that work? It had better. The end of the runway is blockaded. And they've got us bottled in from the rear. 
they're in a, like a little pickup truck now that has a machine gun mounted on top of it. Uh, and they're coming up behind them, firing at them. The snake eyes rotates around and lets out a big burst of his gun. One of the trucks explodes and throws the guys off. Looks like the explosion is close enough to throw the other truck off tilt as well. It basically looks like it has no tires on the ground. And Venom is starting to sweat in the cockpit as he's like turning, trying to get the engines turned over. Now, prop unfeathered, fuel mixture on. Turn over, curse you, turn over. You can hear the like, the stalling sounds of some of the uh, engines as it's like, streak close up on Venom as he's again still sweating. Quinn looking hesitantly. Finally, the propellers start to kind of kick in a little bit and then they blaze into action with a big roar. Venom's face lights up with smiles at his success. The plane is coming right up on that entire, that entire blockade of trucks. There's gotta be a half a dozen trucks all with their guns trained on them you see a panel of like dozens of guys just jumping out like they think they're just going to fly right into them and just blow everybody up but at the last possible second the plane just gets enough lift off to like clips the very top of the trucks and just flying right over top of them guards are shooting at them with their handheld machine guns to no avail but they've lost their main landing gear they'll never be able to land take the controls quinn my hands are a bit shaky right now Best bone up on this flight manual, Venom. It's a long way to Florida. He hands him the flight manual as Venom continues to sweat profusely. You could sit here at the radio operator's station and study quietly, but I'm warning you, Venom, slightest hint of treachery from you will result in excessive pain and permanent damage. Don't be paranoid, Quinn. What harm could I do with the radio? I'm hardly in the position to expect help from Cobra, even if I was able to send him a message in Morse. Which is exactly what he's doing. A close-up is in his hand, which he's hiding with the book, and you can see he's tapping out a message on the radio. So he is clearly sending a signal to, we assume Cobra, but somebody that's gonna help him out further down the line. Not to be uh, thrown off, the guys back at the military base are, are not willing to give up on their plane so easily, especially after being humiliated so recently, I would assume. They're heading due north. Get all that scrap metal off the runway and get that spare Spitfire out of the hangar and into the air. So one plane they had tucked away that they couldn't blow up, and they've they've already sent it up. Were, were these guys the French Foreign Legion? I think they were French Foreign Legionnaires that were kicked out and became, so they were like former Legionnaires. Now they're just like yeah. dirty mercenaries, essentially. It was confusing was just... because they were wearing Legionnaires' outfits. And they do specifically talk about the French Foreign Legion, but if I'm not mistaken, there's very specific verbiage that says, like, when we were, or something like yeah. that. So, yeah, they, they they were, but they're their own thing now, I guess. I was just asking, because they're using the Spitfires, which are like a like an RAF, like a British Air Force plane. There is a possibility that these guys are the, also the real deal, and the other guys that got mowed down were like a subset of those guys that were not connected to these guys directly. I don't I don't think all of these guys are mercenaries. I think these guys are yeah. actual, you know, these guys are actual like, yeah, military soldiers for, you know, whatever government you know, controls this area. Because it looks like the, the machine gun they were using earlier looks like a Vickers, which is a which is a British gun. Mm-hmm. And then they're using Spitfires, which is a British plane, but they're French. So I didn't know if maybe there was a 
or Sierra Gordo is I know it's fictional. So and maybe it's just supposed to be an amalgamation of that type of stuff. If you, the listener, have any input on that or any awareness, maybe we're overlooking something, maybe you recognize something we don't, leave us a comment in our YouTube channel. You can email us directly at anything Joe's Podcast at gmail.com. I'm always interested in hearing feedback on this. Sometimes stuff like this is spelled out, but it will only be given away in a one-line sentence that we, you know, you just overlook or forget. So yeah, I look forward to hearing what, you know, people's thoughts are on this. Are these guys mercenaries or are they the real deal? Suddenly the plane starts taking bullets in midair. We're hit. Ow, we're above the range back at fire. No ground fire. We're under attack by another aircraft. There it goes. It's a Spitfire. I thought Snakeout knocked him out on the ground. That Spitfire swoops up around side of, obviously, a much smaller, much faster craft. Kind of run ropes around him. We should have strafed the hangars, too. Better let me drive for a while. It's called piloting, Dr. Venom. Even I know that. <laughs> what if we level out and let Snake Eyes get a clear shot at them? Snake Eyes will never hit him. We see the light. Spitfire's doing some pretty fancy maneuvering here. It swoops up from underneath and is hitting them on top. Snake Eyes is engaging with them, though, kind of like knocking down. I'm not disparaging Snake Eyes as marksmanship. It's just that we're dealing with, with an experienced pilot. He turns with us and attacks from the blind spot. Snake Eyes can't depress his gun mounts far enough to engage the target. We see as they do the same, do exactly that. The plane takes a sharp turn, Spitfire is shown, basically mimicking that turn. Inside the Spitfire. Spitfire 3 to Alpha Ray, closing into the kill. He hit us again. Can we outrun him? No, and we can't outclimb him either. Maybe we can outdive him. The plane goes into a big flat out barrel dive and starts going straight down towards the ground. Now, if we could just get below this accursed moonlight. There! Now give his pupils time to dilate in the dark and switch on all running lights. The plane is headed straight down and just lights up and it's like glowing, basically. The Spitfire pilot is blinded from the strength of those lights. He goes to shield his face. Arr! Help me, Quinn. Pull the yoke back hard. We have to break out of this dive. Quinn and Venom are both pulling on the yoke of the stick to like get out of this barrel dive, and at the last second, it pulls up and misses the jungle with a. The Spitfire is not so lucky because they're blinded and didn't see what was coming up, and they crash into the mountains in a huge explosion. You are a good pilot, Venom. Too bad the weasel spirit lives in your belly like a cancer. I might have to carve it out to you someday. Meanwhile, in Cobra headquarters. This is wonderful news, Destro. We must tell Cobra Commander immediately. Commander, Dr. Venom is alive. We received a message from him in Morse code. Baroness gives a Nazi salute. Put it on the checkboard. Bing! He has the formula for the serum that will stabilize our plague toxin. And he's willing to forget previous, um, indiscretions if we will arrange for a car and a lawyer to meet him in the of course! You were a bit hasty with him in Sierra Gordo, my dear Baroness. I should have known that a crafty devil like him would cover all the probabilities. He never gave us the complete toxin. That's why the Vermontia experiment went awry. That still doesn't explain how you were able to anticipate the G.I. Joe attack on the furniture factory, does it, Destro? It was Scarface who tipped us on that one. So, some interesting dynamics going on in the Cobra 
uh, leadership program here and is only going to get more complicated as everybody starts to kind of reunite is one of my favorite eras in Cobra leadership where literally everybody's trying to backstab the person to the left of them. But it's nice. First of all, I like that Cobra Commander is basically, I feel like is saying, I know you sold me out. And I also know that you probably changed your mind either because you didn't, you know, we, the reader know that it's because Baron, it turns out Baroness was the pilot and Destro hadn't factored that in. But, it, you know, regardless of why Destro came back and saved him, I'm pretty sure Cobra Commander is like, I'm on to you, buddy. Don't, don't give me none of that crap. You know what I mean? So I like that he's not just like seen as a bumbling fool, which is a phase of Cobra Commander that we have definitely seen plenty of over the years. Morning over the Gulf of Mexico. We see the plane is, is sunlight's coming up. The dawn is breaking. It's pretty beautiful, actually. Uh, as And the plane is just kind of flying innocently over the ocean. Bombay doors seem to be slipping. If they open, the excess drag will decrease our range, endanger our chances of reaching Florida. Snake Eyes, could you lash the door shut with some cable? We see Snake Eyes walking back. This is our cover moment coming up as he's clearly standing right on top of that the bomb doors. There's a rope laying on the floor. Are you back there yet? Good. Clicks a button and the, do- the doors open. He falls out, the rope falls out, his gun falls out. You see his gun is basically gone as it falls into the ocean. Snake Eyes is a ninja, grabs the rope. No sweat, right? Uh, he's hanging on with both hands for dear life. And uh, Quinn is aware of what's going on. He comes back there to help him. Hang on, Shadow Man. I'll... Venom yanks the yoke of the stick up so the plane takes a huge vertical leap. Help him, Quinn. I doubt it. Quinn also falls off, but is able to grab onto the edge of the plane, uh, or of the bomb doors at the last second with a thunk. Quinn, a bear of a man himself, uses one hand to hold on, and the other hand he reaches for Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes reaches with his free hand. And just as they're about to grab one another and everything's going to be okay, the rope frays and then snaps. Snake Eyes' hands drops away, and at the last second, is he's able to grab onto Quinn's boot and hang on for dear life. Quinn puts his other hand back up on the bomb door for, to strengthen it, but unfortunately, at the top of this panel, we see Dr. Venom has joined them. Kick him loose, Quinn. He will only weigh you down and make you fall. What makes you so sure I can't climb back in without kicking him off? Stupid question. Hits him again with the wrench. If they ever make another Dr. Venom figure, he should come with a wrench. His weapon of choice. (laughs) Another hit to the head. You underestimate the power of the bear spirit. Venom hits him again, this time kind of like in the back. The bear is strong. The bear is angry. Quinn is up and out of the deck, and Snake Eyes also has both hands out and is climbing up as well. Quinn slaps the wrench out of his hand and hits the floor. The bear hates the weasel. The bear wishes the weasel was dead. He picks Venom up over top of his head with both arms. No, I'll be good. I don't know what came over me. I'm a sick person. I'm not responsible, please. Venom starts to like kind of whine or cry a little bit, sobbing and sniffing. Snake Eyes puts his hand on Quinn's arm to just, you know, to kind of say, no, hey, wait a minute. Huh? You would have me spare his miserable life, Shadow Man? Pauses for a second. You're right. A man who whips a dog will pull his own sled someday. This has been another <laughs> deep thought with Quinn, the tracker. <laughs> he can put a little book of like chicken soup for the <laughs> chicken soup for the mercenary cell. <laughs> Back to G.I. Joe headquarters to see what everybody else is up to for once. G.I. Joe headquarters deep under Fort Wadsworth. 
we see at a uh, meeting table, there's a bunch of person or like uh, files being passed around. We've got Hawk at the table, and then on the side, we've got Scarlet, Stalker, Breaker. Got a pair of unidentified hands off to the side, and I'm not 100% sure this guy is to the left. You got a guess on this guy? Could really, I mean, maybe Grunt. He looks very nondescript. Is it gray on mine? It looks brown. Okay. With like light on the top. Well, so that's probably another coloring thing. I don't, I don't know who that is. I guess maybe they didn't either from the looks of his face. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll say, I'll say Grunt because there's no other distinguishing features. Stalker, and we've got a final report on the analysis of the remnants of that Cobra Enclave in Vermont. Not much to report, Hawk. Some glass vials of the top used to store toxins. The fire destroyed all traces of whatever was in them. We do know the main object of their experiments. Yes? Ink. Printer's ink. The place was full of it. Back to Cobra headquarters, where Cobra Commander is sitting in a very fancy chair. Come in, Major Blood. I've been expecting you. Major Blood, it's first appearance here, given the Nazi salute. Mark it down. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Major Blood has got a bunch of dog tags around his neck, which is, I think, implied of, you know, his kills in action. He wears them like trophies. It's not really something you see a whole lot of, um, but it looks really cool. Also, I mean, I don't want to get into the age-old question here, but looking at Major Blood's arm, Jaren, would you say that's a piece of armor or that's a robotic arm or that's a weapon? What's your thought on that? I feel like in this shot, to me, it looks like he's wearing stuff over his arm. It looks like a regular arm, to me. Yeah, I want to say that, you know, there's lots of varying opinions on this, but I think the initial concept was it was supposed to be a bit of a blast shield because he had this, like, rocket-propelled pistol that came with the, the old original V1. Uh, it wasn't, you know, the classified figure is very clearly redirects that theory because it is quite clearly a cybernetic mm -hmm. arm right down to the you know the mars uh, enhanced logo i really think the very humanness of the hand makes it like a, i think it is a real arm the v1 major blood if you've never seen it it's that particular arm is the only arm i know of in the original line that doesn't bend at the elbow just that just that arm it's a very unusual design that you know, people have wondered about for quite a while with no concrete. I mean, everybody's got a different opinion on it. It's it's become so controversial that now different figures you know, project it in different ways. Anyway, yeah. we've added another villain to the team, which is good because the Cobra, you know, the uniqueness of Cobra is pretty minimal, uh, even with the addition of Destro. It's time to start beefing up the ranks. Also, it's great. Uh, you know, this is a great notice to tie this in. At the end of the GI Joe Declassified series, there's a part where. Major Blood is talking to Cobra Commander for the first time, and and then behind the scenes revelation, Cobra Commander is like, "Hey, I know all of this, uh, but I want the your job is to kill General Flag as soon as possible." So we'll double back on that later as well. But just as a reminder, that is a continuity-based retcon moment that is supposed to be, like, official. <laughs> Larry once said that G.I. Joe is a story that is constantly being retconned, and I believe it, but I like to try to iron out a little bit of an unofficial, official continuity when I can. Oh, hell. I can't do a major blood. I, got, I really got to get <laughs> some more voices in my <laughs> in my archives. You may dispense with the formalities. I don't pay you to salute me. I pay you to solve problems. Right now, I have a problem that only you can solve. His name is Destro. 
So again, back to what I was talking about earlier, Cobra Commander is already wise to what's up. Destro's only been here for like three or four issues and they're already turning on each other. That's just the nature of Cobra leadership. Elsewhere in Cobra headquarters, Destro and the Baroness are also discussing problems. So that's all of it. I switched to Clues and Sierra Gordo to bait the trap in Vermont. I set up Cobra Commander to be captured by the G.I. Joe team. Why are you telling me this? I don't want to know these things. I did it all for you. I didn't ask you to do all this, and I certainly had no wish to be privy to your traitorous secrets. How can I face him, knowing these things? Do you understand the predicament you've put me in? You're forcing me to make a choice, but I won't betray Cobra Commander. I owe him too much. Do you love him? No. I love you. Destro, I... Would you betray me? No. A ton of <laughs> dots here, as it's implied that Baroness is definitely has to think about this for a moment. But at the last moment, she says, no. The history behind Baroness and Cobra Commander will get a little bit more of insight into that way down the line. But much like the unusual drama behind Baroness seeing Destro's unmasked face for the first time. There's not a whole, we don't really know a whole lot about the behind the scenes of why they're like this. Just a few hit, hints here and there. Low back on our plane, low over the Gulf waters. It looks like they're flying in low and they're coming up close to a boat. A boat! They've seen us and they've a radio mast. We had better neutralize. No, Doctor Venom. Can't kill snake eyes in this old Eskimo. So you'll settle for anybody. But I won't let you slaughter innocent fishermen for sport. Fly on. The fishermen themselves, a rugged group of guys here, uh, have spotted the plane right away. Look, that farmer's headed straight for us. Somebody must have told the Coast Guard about that load of contraband in our hold. Well, he ain't taking me in and no smuggling rap. Load me, dog breath. What a name. Woo, baby. <laughs> Codename Dog Breath, file name Larry. Uh, <laughs> the, the Cobra mercenary that we ne didn't know we needed. They ain't taking in nobody after they fly into a few hundred rounds of steel-jacketed armor-piercing 30 cal. They uncover a huge uh, mounted uh, gun. It's already loaded and ready for the bear. They immediately just start lighting up that plane. Quinn, those innocent fishermen of yours are trying to kill us! I told you! Shut up, Venom. Just fly the plane. They uh, fire on the plane and they hit the fuel tanks. Fuel leaking down on the plane as they fly overhead. We hit a fuel tanks. She's leaking aviation gas on us. Cease fire before the muzzle flash ignites. Boom! See ya, suckers. Sorry, dog breath. The whole, that whole thing just blows, goes up in flames. They live on fuel and, and, and torch themselves, the fools. We are losing fuel in altitude. We have to reduce our weight immediately. Dump everything that isn't essential to flight and navigation. Everything! Another great five vertical panel spread at the bottom of this book as we see all of the things that Venom is listing off and have got to go as they are going. Radio, guns and ammo, seats, take the breakout axes and chop off the Bombay doors. I mean, this is a liquidation cell of the highest caliber. Everything must go. Start on the side panels. Every single ounce will weigh against our making it to Florida. Cut to the Miami airport, which we assume is our destination as they've been headed to Florida. We see some, a gentleman that's getting off of a, uh, a regular um, commercial airliner from far away. Has he arrived yet? No, but Cobra headquarters is keeping us informed. I'm sure they are. Take me to police headquarters. 
cut to Miami Beach where we just see a bunch of regular people having a nice time. There's a, a older couple that are sitting on the beach just kind of looking out at everybody playing in the ocean. Would you look at that? Haven't seen a sight like that in 40 years. A Lancaster limping in on a wing and a prayer. Didn't think there were any left. That thing on the horizon? What are you talking about, Sheldon? That's a big bird, a seagull or something. Are these the same two old people that got their car rammed off in the other issue? That got their car <laughs> stalled and they slammed into them? It looks a lot like them. It could be. I'll have to go back and look at their names. They're bad luck. Nope. I was in Dover for six months before Normandy saw those lanks wheel by the cliffs on their way back from paste and crop rollers, roller, bearing factories every morning. Hmm. It does appear to be some sort of big airplane in trouble. You can see the shape of the plane now. The people that are in the ocean aren't anymore. They are running at them and away. They know what's up at least. We've got no landing gear in them and no chutes. How are we going to get this thing down without killing ourselves? We'll skip it across the waves with all the flaps down and hope that it slows us down enough to beat it. That's what happens. It's basically like skipping a stone, but except it's the size of a plane, is it bounces off the water the first time. Without losing hull integrity. In other words, you're going to drag tail in the water and hope we don't spread ourselves all over the beach. Exactly. Back to the older couple. Dover? I didn't know you were in Dover in the war. Isn't that where the soul comes from? And wasn't there a song? How did that go? Dum, da dum, dum. It was a scary time, Estelle. I guess I was too young and stupid to know how scary it was. You were never stupid, Sheldon. You think I would have married a stupid person? I was pretty dumb, Estelle. I remember sitting there and thinking about how dangerous it was to go up in one of those black traps and risk getting your BVDs shot off. That's underwear for younger people that might not remember. That's good, because I have no idea what that <laughs> yeah, meant. Yeah, BVDs are like old, like Hanes, basically, is, uh, would be an, a more applicable term in today's terminology. That's not dumb, Shelton. Sounds pretty smart to me. Estelle, when I was thinking that, I was sitting in a landing craft, waiting to go in with the first wave of rangers on Omaha Beach. When the other guys did it to us, we called it a suicide attack. When we did it, it was just the first wave. It just shows to go ya. Nothing's very scary unless you know it's supposed to be. Sheldon, the sand in my drink. The plane is beached almost perfectly right there. It lands just feet away from Estelle and Sheldon, who are just two cool cucumbers. Surrounding them in a radius are police cars everywhere. There's a SWAT van pulled up. I mean, there's 50 plus, maybe 100 police people here, and they have got them surrounded. Climb out of there with your hands high. Sheldon, do something. Those men in that plane ruined my pina colada. What do you want me to do, Estelle? Call a cop? Last page. Everybody's at prison. Miami Police Headquarters. None of these guys are talking. Book them all as John Doe's and get their mug sheets out to the feds. Will you look at this? The big lunk was carrying a 30 caliber air-cooled, for Pete's sake. I guess he didn't throw that gun out. That must have been a different gun or an artist's mistake because I clearly saw a very Quinn-looking machine gun hitting the ocean just two pages ago. That's him. The gentleman in the middle is my client, Dr. Venom. I have here a writ of habeas corpus for his immediate release into my custody. Police officer's looking at the paperwork. This here's a writ, all right. Signed and proper. This one's walking Freddy. Cut him loose and give him back his shoelaces. Dr. Venom is getting uncuffed and is, lets loose a little. <laughs> These other two Class A felons up to detention. Toodaloo, boys. Have fun in the license plate shop. I can't believe it. That lawyer was here with the writ an hour before the plane landed. Something, huh? 
Let it ride, Snake Eyes. We'll catch up with him someday. So Quinn and Snake Eyes are behind bars. Our final panel is Dr. Venom's getting, yeah, he gets in the back of a car that's being chauffeured. He lights up a big Cuban cigar. He's got his little pinky out. What a fancy, what a fancy man. The lawyer's just talking to him. You shouldn't have baited them, Venom. Cobra Commander had to call in a lot of markers to get you that writ. It's tenuous to say the least. You should have shut up and walked out quietly and... That's not my style. I like to rattle the cage. And that's just what I intend to do back at Cobra headquarters. The end. So, let's talk a little bit about 15 because it it's not exactly... I would say it's the resolution of this particular part of the story... But we're def and but we're definitely leaning into what's to come next. We there's some stuff that was being set up, especially that stuff with Cobra Commander bringing in somebody to assassinate Destro. Destro and the Baroness are working on something together. There's a lot of like stuff going on behind the scenes that is all that we're getting ready to basically walk right into. Quinn, Snake Eyes, and Venom. That's not their last confrontation together but it is the last like part of that particular story and i think it's extremely strong um what's your what are your takeaway on this issue jaron i i enjoyed it um it's not my favorite but it definitely seems like it's laying groundwork for more to come yeah i think there's uh you know there is definitely more to come as a matter of fact i i know i say this almost every single time but we're still really in the like Every issue is just moving along super quickly. There's all kinds of stuff that's happening. Like it's almost, it's almost difficult to keep up with it. It's just comes at a such a fast click. Real quick, let me do the post box from the pit. I got a couple. Oh yes, absolutely, of course. Go right ahead. So it looks like, and I don't know how long the turnaround time for these post box the pits or, um, but there are multiple people that mentioned. Uh, one person says, I uh, can't wait for number 13 to find out if Snake Eyes is alive or dead. And then another person says, Dear Danny, I resent the killing of Snake Eyes in number 12. Is there any way you can bring him back? If so, please bring him back. That's from Ryan from Illinois. And the, the writer just says, By now, Ryan, you and all the other concerned readers who wrote us know that Snake Eyes is alive. Snake Eyes is, al- is still alive. Barely. So it seems like there was like a real, like people really were concerned that he was dead. Yeah. It looks like it's a little bit of a split. I mean, we obviously don't know the age of Ryan, but if you look at the letter following that, it's from a parent that says, you know, was reading to his six and a half year old son and they had been reading since issue number two. Although interesting quote here, it says the vocabulary is still a little too much for him. <laughs> I think we all felt like that. I still feel like that, quite frankly, as a person that doesn't have a strong education in military stuff, I'm constantly mispronouncing things or I have to look up what things are. So, I mean, as a kid, it was it was probably five times worse than that. He says, I had to do some explaining at the end of number 12. He'll probably come back in the next issue. Honest. So some people were more savvy than others. But definitely, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, you know, as a, at a childhood age, there's you think, oh, no, they killed him. I mean, I definitely fell for that reading comics as a kid all the time. All right. That's all from the postbox, The Pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me, I was reading this last thing. Where do you get all your military information? Yeah, I read that one, too, but... Uh, I guess he just said Larry Hama, but we also use yeah, basically Larry. Okay, so the one last the last thing that I wanted to talk about is 
One of the interesting things that I found when we were researching this that I had never heard was that there's a Christian punk band called Roper that wrote a song which is titled Red Eye to Miami. It is specifically about this issue, not just a convenient tie-in. It's the same thing. I've never heard it. I'm confident that Jaron hasn't ever heard it. I don't know. I would say that there are listeners out there that are, are also learning this for the first time. Well, let's listen to it. <laughs> Here's his Roper's Red Eye to Miami, which we will all, well, Jaron and I will both be listening to it for the, for the, for the first time ever. beautiful i have this listed as coming out in 2004 isn't that wild that's what i'm seeing as well that so so far after the fact completely like i've never i have never heard this before in my entire life that's amazing what a crazy little just sent you the uh sent you the lyrics that's awesome (laughs) some good stuff here i would put this in regular rotation no sweat i have no issues with that at all pretty good not a big punk guy but i i 
It's it so was, it was a weird random. like punk with ska influence. Like yeah, there's just it, yeah, it was something. Hey, pretty 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 cool. Um, all right, so that's gonna do it for us today. We'll be back in two short weeks. Uh, Jaren and I have already started brainstorming. We're gonna catch up on some news. We're gonna talk about some stuff we've been getting in. Buddy, if you ain't getting stuff in the mail right now, you must not be collecting G.I. Joe because every single day I'm getting an email like, hey, we're getting ready to ship something. And I'll be like, okay, well, I don't have the money for it. So come back in a week. I'm just, <laughs> we're getting hammered. So we're going to talk a little bit about all this stuff that's shipping uh, kind of universally and all the stuff we've picked in, or all the stuff we've picked up since then. Talk a little bit about burnout also. We've been getting a lot of stuff in and it's really taken a toll on both of us, I think. So I look forward to having that discussion. Actually, I'll pose this question to the audience right now. Uh, how, what's the, what's your overall like mental health with the classified series right now? Are you feeling burnt out? Are you still super enthused? Is it too much? Is it, you know, or are you just ready for more? Uh, you can send us an email at anything Joe's podcast at gmail.com or anything Joe's pod at gmail.com. And you can find us on most social media at anything Joe's pod. We're on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, that is our, uh, Facebook group also. And then you can find us on YouTube, of course, at Just Anything Joe's. We'd like to thank you so much for listening today, and we look forward to talking to you again in just two short weeks where anything's available for discussion here on Anything Joe's.